All right. All right. It's back, but how long will it last? A statement from uh, François-Philippe Champagne's office, the federal minister, says uh, that uh, the Friday disruption by Rogers was, quote-unquote, unacceptable. And he's meeting today with the boss of Rogers, Tony Staffieri. Uh, Here's Tony Staffieri explaining what he believes went wrong. We've narrowed the cause to a network system failure. We had a maintenance upgrade in our core network, and that caused our routers to malfunction. And those routers erroneously flooded the network with traffic, and that's what caused the network to be inoperable for our customers. We've removed that network, and we're able to bring the network back up. We're going through a very detailed analysis uh, to continue to look at it, Now, the outage on Friday morning that began Friday morning lasted at least 15 hours and knocked out access to health care, law enforcement, banking services. The impact was widespread. I don't want I'm wondering what happened for you. What did you go through on Friday? And did you hear what Tony Staffieri was saying there about what they believe the cause to be an upgrade, an upgrade? Keep in mind that it was just last April that there was a wireless outage nationwide from Rogers that lasted 16 hours. Why? What happened? The company said at that time the issue stemmed from a software update. So, and again, this system, well, we're going we're gonna to upgrade our system, and the thing goes down. And we've had this twice in two years. What do we do about it? I'm so pleased to welcome back to the program one of my favorite guests, Vas Bednar, who is at McMaster University and is the executive director of the Public Policy in Digital Society program. Vass, how, how did you fare on Friday? You know, I'm I'm one of the Canadians that inadvertently has a diversified approach. So my phone is with Rogers, but my home internet where I was working from that day is with Bell. So I could kind of cobble together a day. Uh, but as you know, I'm not a e-commerce store and luckily, uh, so I didn't have to do any transactions and I also uh, didn't require any emergency services that day. But if I did, I wouldn't have been able to access them with my phone. Yeah, now, weirdly, I have the, the same system where I have home internet not provided uh, by Bell. I was actually off on Friday, so I didn't have to oh, you know, try okay. and work my way through actually doing you know my job because it was incredibly difficult for those who were here in the newsroom trying to try and work. But what you know, as you watch it sort of unfold on Twitter, those who had access to the internet complaining about it. I mean, what was your key takeaway from it? My key takeaway was that the outage illuminated that these tools are about so much more than just staying connected to people, right? It sucks if you miss a text message from your crush or can't join that work Zoom meeting. But I don't think we appreciated the how these services kind of underpin the, the digital infrastructure that makes the whole economy work. And I think a lot of people were terrified and really disappointed that we didn't have uh, backup protocols for, you know, the emergency of losing access to emergency services. We need to do better at that, and we can. This meeting with the um, the federal minister, you know, we, we went through this a year ago. Uh, do you have any hope that there's actually going to be any kind of system put in place that going forward we can mitigate this? Yes, I do, because if I do not stay relentlessly positive, I cannot be in public (laughs) policy. So this is a a huge opportunity for Canada to kind of reflect back on an international stage what we learned, right? 
all jurisdictions can learn from us, outages are going to happen. They are, these are complex systems. And a lot of this is falling on the back of Rogers. But again, this is so much more than just Rogers. And I'm sure whatever happened could have happened to almost, you know, to any company. Um, and I think we really have to start with 911. Uh, we have informal protocols kind of when a, a traffic light goes out, right? Often someone will volunteer or police will come and volunteer and help people get through that. What are our protocols if somebody's, if a cell phone carrier is out? And can we use the emergency alert service to at least communicate information to people that still have connectivity about what the issue is, what we know at that time, and how to support other people that may not be connected? This would at least prime more people to, if they witness an emergency event or at a bank, there was a, a gentleman who called in yesterday to CBC Cross Country Checkup, uh, relaying a horrific story about his 70-year-old father trying to help his sister who had an aneurysm while they were at the bank on Friday. They could not find anyone with a cell phone that was connected. Uh, they could not access emergency services. So I think we can do more at least, you know, to create some stop gaps while we work to build in more resiliency across this really complex system. We've heard suggestions that there be, should be some portability of um, of service from providers that are still up to to those who are you know not up. Is that realistic? I thought that's a super cool idea, right? Uh, this is a bad look for all telecommunications companies in Canada, and I think it really stoked the anger and frustration that people have in the sector, right? We just we kind of have a lack of competition, prices are going up, we're in this inflationary period, people are more price sensitive than, than ever before. To, so to feel like you're paying more for something that you can't count on, uh, I think, really agitated people. And, you know, the opportunity to potentially switch, you're seeing competitors court away Rogers customers with novel offers, but those expire at some point, right? So yes, I'm optimistic that the companies uh, could come together. These are private companies that we're reliant on for, for what is seems like an essential public service to communicate that they will come up with some kind of... Uh, Again, I'm not an engineer, magical sharing situation or maybe use radio frequency or something and that we're going to have a new plan for 911 because that's where we need to start. We really, we can't, an outage can happen again. I'm fine with that. I can, I can deal with that, but I don't think Canada can deal with lights out on 911. That should be a never again situation. Should this have an impact on the proposed 20 billion takeover for between uh, Rogers and Shaw? Not from the, the perspective of the competition tribunal or bureau, but it might change public attitudes towards it. It might change uh, Shaw's attitudes or investors' attitudes. But remember, these are, these are private companies uh, focused on returning value to shareholders, not value to everyday Canadians. Uh, and there you make, uh, I think, the key point here. Because we have an infrastructure that, is, that needs to be maintained for the public good, for the greater public good. And, you know, often the joke is that we don't have a country. We have three telecoms and a trench coat in this country. So what do we do to ensure public oversight that it is not all about the bottom line and the returning value to shareholders, but it's actually about creating an infrastructure that serves people? Yes. Um, thanks for saying my point more clearly than I could have. Um <sighs> How do we get there? I mean, the federal government's uh, open right now to taking 
taking feedback on a new proposed policy direction. Municipalities are experimenting with municipal fiber networks. We've got low orbit satellites. Uh, there's a Quebec agreement with Elon Musk owned Starlink. There's actually lots going on in little ways where iterating and innovating that we can kind of pump up and continue to build out this system and continue to evolve it so that it better serves Canadians. And that's what keeps me optimistic, that and getting to come on your show. <laughs> Thanks, Bass. But <laughs> the reality is that the, the, the administration, the government, the federal government has, has not shown itself to be interested to really diversify this, this sector. In fact, it looks like it looks like that this merger is going to go through, which is less competition. Well, yeah, it, it in terms of the the competitive effects of this merger, this right now the mess the the merger is relying on something this one weird trick in our competition law called the efficiency defense, yes, um, yes. right? But uh, I think that efficiency defense it's one thing to explain it to a competition tribunal, and it's another thing to rationalize it to everyday Canadians. And I think from the moment this proposed merger was announced, Canadians were sort of throwing up question marks and kind of shrugging and wondering how it made sense. Vass, always great to talk with you. Appreciate it. Please be well. Thank you too. Bye. That's Vass Bednar, who's with McMaster University's uh, Public Policy in Digital Society program. How did you get through Friday? Are you still ticked off? You hear this like, oh, I'll get you. Here's three dollars. You know, here you go. Here's two fifty. Enjoy yourself. Maybe get yourself a coffee. Yeah, you can pay for it now. <laughs> I, is that going to do it for you?